We've been in a series of messages that have, have been very rich. I have struggled with, with some of them, but uh, then uh, Jared uh, put a series of messages together uh, quite some time ago, and the title of the messages is, are, Have We Forgotten? How many besides your pastor can say, I, I forgot and I still forget? Well, three of us. God bless the rest of you. I'm going to hang out close to you. You know, and I tell, you know, sometimes when I can't recall a name or there's something I'm trying to remember, a date or something, and I don't have anybody to ask, uh, I, I hear this many times, and I started almost to say it in my, in my routine. Well, it just goes along with the territory. But, you know, uh, I'm challenged today with where we live. Don't, you don't have to go along with the territory. Jesus has called us as Christians to come out from the world and be separate. That don't mean we don't have friends. It doesn't mean we don't go places and do things with other people. But there's one thing that changed in our life the day we became Christians is we were changed from the inside out. What Jesus did, he took a hardened heart filled with sin, and he gave us a heart of flesh. And a heart that has the ability to forgive, a heart that has the ability to forget, uh, I mean, <laughs> forget the right th wrong things, and be able to let life go on. But, you know, and when you get up uh, and years and the years have stacked and the challenges of life may be more challenging, do you ever, have you ever heard this when people can't remember something? Well, it just goes along with the territory. I almost took, adopted that as my testimony, and one morning of the Holy Spirit, just before I opened my mouth to say that, says, don't you have the mind of Christ? And I thought, well, I hope I do. Then he said, then I felt the Holy Spirit minister to me. Well, it, forgetting is not uh, a part that I want you to highlight. I want you to remember that I'm a present help in time of need. And if you'll call on me, I'll answer you, and I'll show you things you don't know nothing about. So I'm work in progress this morning. I, want to be re I always want to remember what the things that are n uh, necessary in life. And uh, for years I had it made. You know, I'd go to Powerhouse Kids and uh, Deidre and her helpers were always kind to me. They always put a name on every child. And boy, I could go through the hall. Johnny, how are you doing? Boy, it's good to see you, Sammy. Hi, Charlene, how are you doing? But the next day, if I was in the halls of the school, there was no name tags. And the kids say, hi, Pastor. And I'd say, hi, hi, buddy. How are you doing? There was no name tags. Well, today, I've got good news for you. There's some things that God shares with us every day. Along the pathway, I, for years I had it made. Before Fallon graduated from high school, uh, she was a good traveling partner. She would go to special events. And uh, she has an ability that I, I really uh, am jealous about this morning. I could introduce her to somebody in a crowd at another city. And a week later or two weeks later, I could say, Fallon, do you remember the man that I introduced you to at a certain place? She said, yeah. I said, what was his name? And she'd tell me. Well, she, she pulled a bad deal on me, and it's totally messed me up. She got married, and she didn't travel with me anymore. So there's times when I'm really lost. So I need you to... I don't want her back. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Trevor is so blessed this morning. But I want to talk to you for a few moments today about have we forgotten. In a series of messages, the first... Uh, first message we brought was the, the area of honor. And Jared brought that message like nobody I've ever heard before. And he's not here, but I want to give 
uh, the roses to Jared this morning. I've never been so honored by another minister like I have by Jared. He just knows how to say the right thing. And it's not, I don't need a lot of, I don't, I'm not talking about bragging. There's a difference between bragging and somebody just walking up in, in front of you and speaking into your spirit. And that's what you call the power of ministry. And, and there are times when people have walked up and, and said things to probably all of us, and they really didn't know where we'd been or what had been going on. They're just challenges we for, for, have forgotten. But, but honor to honor. And, and you know, it's, it's in my travels, uh, it's just an honor to see an open door. Sometimes if I get to the door first and I have a shadow of somebody behind me, I like to honor them by saying, uh, you, you go right ahead. And if there's a second door, it's amazing how, how, uh, how this touches other people's life. And they'll grab the door and hold it for you as you walk in. And you get to say, well, thank you for that. So the things that we do many times are contagious. Have you ever been around anybody long enough and you started acting like them? I'm not talking about marriage. <laughs> Maybe they use a few words that you didn't use, but it sounded good and you, you begin to kind of, it began to take hold of you. Well, listen, honor is something we can all practice. And I want to tell you something as my church family, I honor you today. And I want you to know you're the greatest people, not because the way you dress or where you live, but you know how to pray, you know how to stand with the church. We've, been, we've gone through difficult times. We've gone through areas of tragedy. In August of 90, what you're seeing and enjoying today was amounted to about 12, 11 or 12 inches of ashes. And I know what it is to pull into the parking lot and... T- Hot tears stream down your eyes as you see what was one time a magnificent building standing in nothing but ashes. I know what it is to, to, for your heart to be broken. I know what it is to walk to, the, to the, uh, the side of a casket and say goodbye to the, one of your close relatives as, as they leave this world. But there's nothing like honor. And I want to tell you, all you husbands this morning, honor your wife. The Bible says, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. But remember, don't ever call your wife a thing. <laughs> a word to the wise is sufficient. I was, I was processing this uh, uh, this week, and, and my, my week consisted of two and a half trips to Oklahoma City for hospital calls and sick people. The reason I didn't make the full third round is Craig caught me at Gary and he said you need to turn around and go home you've been here once today and the surgery's not going to take place tonight and the family knows uh, that I'm going to turn you around and send you home and that was that was better than jingle bells <laughs> my 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 life was a little weary but but uh, honor is one of the greatest things and we all can practice it I'm on the way home a few just this week I was I had text Sherry. I know you're not supposed to do that and try, but there's nobody within 10 feet of your bumper, and you can set that phone sometimes. I know this is not, I know I'll get a ticket probably someday for it if I don't stop it, and I intend to stop it. But I text her in the dark of the night, a short text, and then I, I use these last three words that I usually use to her I love you. But following that, I did something that I had, I don't think I'd ever done before. I put three big red hearts following that sounds like music to me I mean at 77 you don't quit dreaming and you know honoring honoring should never shut down in our life because God has given us ability to honor one another and the the, the second message that we brought after we had 
uh, spoken on honor was loyalty. Loyalty, being loyal, being loyal to your wife, being loyal to your children, being there for your kids, being loyal to your church, being loyal to your job, getting there on time, and, and enjoying the, the fact that you do have a job, whether it's the best job you've ever had or not. Just being loyal is everything. And we live in a world today that's not really dedicated to loyalty. Then we moved into the last, last message that, that I brought to you, and that was on integrity. And the integrity is just the fact that if you tell somebody you're going to show up at a certain time, do everything you can to show up. It, it, integrity means it's, it's who you are when nobody's looking. And, and we've, all, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The book of Romans chapter 3, 23 says we've all, we've all messed up at times. We've all fell short. But the Bible says, though a just man falls seven times, the Lord is there to pick him up. So remember, if, if you fall on your face, if you do something that's not character, your character, if you make a bad blunder, just get up, brush your, your clothes off, and face reality. And if you need to say, I'm sorry, say, I'm sorry, and go on. The accuser of the brethren, which is the enemy, would love, he loves to get in our face, and he loves to tell us how bad a job we're doing, and he likes to get, get us out of the way. And many people have walked off from one of the greatest opportunities of just hanging in there. Just be loyal. Just hang in there. No matter what's going on, just hang in there. I always had this, this philosophy when I worked at a secular job. When I leave this job, I want them to say, man, I hate to miss that guy. Because several people that I worked for, I've been close by them when somebody would turn in their resignation. And I've heard these words, I can't wait till they leave. We have a choice to make. And, and if we make our choices in life... Many choices are contagious, and people like to look at your good qualities, and they like to see the good things about you. And they like to, they like, I don't mind telling you the world likes the good stuff, even though many times we're not seeing good stuff come out of people. This morning we're going to reflect for the next few moments on, on something that I really enjoy. And the title of the message this morning is, Have We Forgotten How to Be Grateful? Gratitude. Gratitude. Did you know gratitude is an attitude? You know the Beatitudes are in the Bible so we can make adjustments with our attitude? And we all have to make adjustments every day because there's some things we just don't really care for, do we? And there's just some things we wish we didn't have to do or some assignments we wish that somebody else had them. But as we look at today's message, today I want to talk to you about the virtue that's almost totally forgotten in our society today, and that's saying, I'm so grateful. And as a pastor, I'm so grateful you're a part of my life. And whether you realize it or not, I know when you're here, and I know when you're not here. And I'm so grateful that this church is loyal. I'm so glad, grateful that you know how to honor your pastor. And I can say after 39 years and nine months, I, your life speaks for itself. You have been a loyal, faithful group of people. You didn't throw in the towel when the going got tough, but the tough just kept going. And you're here as a testimony to our community today, and most of your neighbors know where you're at. As we look at, at the topic this morning, and as we look at the ability that God has given us, I want to give an example about with a... a that pertains to a, a Boston consultant who was working with a bunch of college graduates. He took all the graduating class and said, there's one word that we use to describe the emerging generation into the workforce, and that word begins with E. He asked all of the 
recent graduates, what do you think is the word that so many people use to describe you that starts with a letter E? And all the young hopeful graduates said, energetic, excellent. All through the different names that really describe their positive behavior, exceptional it was. And after they listed all the different E words, the consultant said, actually, the number one most commonly used word to describe this generation as they move into the workforce is the word entitled. In fact, <clears throat> this isn't my words. I'm just reading this this morning. I haven't started my word yet, or God's word. In fact, the millennials, that's what we call the generation that's coming into this world that's going to follow your footsteps it's going to act like you've acted and they're going to take the good things that you've given them and what education can do for them and they're going to develop a life so that they can be beneficial to the generation that we're living but uh, the millennials are labeled today not by me but by the people that label us I, I want to be labeled as a believer as a Christian not a religious person I want to be labeled as a believer but there's a label on the generation that's coming to be a part of the workforce today and it's called the entitled generation and before we start throwing stones this morning from us that are older let's think for a moment about the younger generation that's coming on we have to realize we've created we're created by the actions and our attitudes. And this generation, it feels very, very entitled. Where did that come from? There's many ways. And I'm just going to follow some viewpoints to get started that Jared gave me. And if you don't like them, don't take them out on me. Tell him next Sunday, okay? <laughs> One thing very t typical that the average person uh, work way too much. And know that we see many people that work day and night don't look my way but I know a few people that work day and night to make ends meet and you know as we're working day and night to make things meet there's something that's short in the family circle and many times that's dad's presence and many times the because I traveled for about five years I was home on weekends I found out that my family learned to make decisions without me and when I came home I was a misfit and I could read minds fairly well with my own family, and I could tell that they were glad when Sunday night rolled around because Monday I had to hit the road. And there was a void that my family learned to put together because I wasn't there. But today, in today's society, you know, we, our kids want things, and we just work a little harder so we can have them. And we just, we just continue to make money so we'll have more to give. And there's nothing wrong with making money. The Bible talks about a lazy person, a person that doesn't pro provide for their family is worse than an unbeliever. But hey, let's, let's look at the facts this morning. What has made our generation that's coming on an entitled generation? Maybe it's because of how we've treated them. Maybe it's because most everybody in the house has a job, and we spend very little time in working together and, and family time. And, and as we look at the on a generation that's coming on they're bringing most of their entitlement from college professors and people that are teaching and replaying on how society is operating today but i've got good news for you the, the kids that get off the bus unload here we're not talking to an entitled generation we're talking about kid, many kids that don't have a mom and many don't have a dad we're talking to foster children we're hugging on 
some kids that don't even know who their parents are. And what an opportunity God has given all of us to make a difference in the lives of those that are less fortunate. It's a gratitude. It's grateful to walk in here on Wednesday night. It's grateful. I'm grateful to hear all the noise. When I was driving the bus, it was grateful to see all the energy get on that bus. But boy, it was a highlight of my life when the last little devil got off that bus at night. Today, we live in a society, you know, when I was growing up and you went to school and you had to participate and only one person got a trophy. And they got a trophy because they won. But today, if you just show up, there's a trophy for everybody. And, and this is a society we're living in. Man, how things have changed. What I want to talk to you today about is the opposite of entitlement. How many remember your days in school or your time when it was more than just showing up. You had to participate. Well, I want to take you to Luke chapter 17 for a few moments. And we're going to read the Word of God, and we're going to minister for a few moments today on what God's Word has to say. We all have opinions today, but all of our lives must be... God, God's greatest desire is for you to recognize Him as your Heavenly Father. My earthly mom and dad are gone. They raised me as a church, as a, one of their sons, and I knew th nothing but church. I could hardly wait till the day I graduated so I could get away from the church world. I, I was sick and tired of being drugged to church. And it wasn't my lifestyle. It wasn't my, my desire to be where I'm at today. I had plans. I wanted to do something where it was nobody else's business. And I made a vow I'll never be a I may be a preacher's kid, but I didn't bring that level on. I'll never be a preacher. Of course, we have a heavenly father who sits in the heavenlies, and he, I'm sure he has a good sense of humor. If you don't believe me, look in the mirror and realize well, he created you. He created me, and he had a plan for us when he created us. He saw our end before he created us, and he said, you're worth it. So he allowed us to be born into this world. But in growing up, my life was really challenged, and I, I lived for the day when I would no longer be known as the pastor's kid. I, I, I would, could blend in with a world, and I, I could make a difference. I could be involved in, in, and get my own way. But you know what? It didn't take many days until I realized how good I'd had it under my dad's roof and under his provision. And I met a real world one day that said, Welcome to a real world. And that welcome wasn't filled with gratitude. It was filled with challenges. Look at what Jesus met in Luke 17 one morning as he was walking the dusty streets of Jerusalem. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out with a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Let me give you the context to, for just a moment. A leper was one of the, leprosy was one of the most dreaded diseases of, the, of Bible days. It wasn't just sores and scabs. It was the fact that a leper could no longer ha had the feeling. And many times they could have bad burns or they could, they could have a wound on their body and never feel it because leprosy, first thing it dealt with was the feeling. And, and, and le leprosy not only carried many, many painful areas physically, but 
they had leper colonies where these people had to live. No longer could you live with your family if the doctor diagnosed you with leprosy. You had to say goodbye to your friends and your family. No longer could your family hug on you. No longer would you be around at Christmas time. There was no Thanksgiving Day because you had been labeled because of the disease that your body was carrying and it separated you from your friends and families. As we look at the scene that day, Ten of these sick people had got together. They lived in a colony. They had things in, in common. They had to separate themselves from clean people that were not infected with a disease called leprosy. The, uh, leprosy would eventually uh, to- totally destroy the nerve system in their lives. And it was nothing in those days. They had, you know, rat-infested areas. And one of the places that rats love to live is where they have good eating. And it was, it was known in these colonies where rats could come in and actually chew the flesh off of, off of lepers while they were sleeping because they had no inkling, no idea that, that there was a varmint eating their flesh away because of this dreaded disease called leprosy. The physical pain was bad, but in Le, according to Le, Leviticus chapter 13, whenever somebody got close to you, you had to scream out as loud as you could scream, unclean unclean and that person knew that they could not touch you they could not be close to you because of the dreaded disease that you were marked by called leprosy as i think about this hour i think how what pain it must have been to have lost all your ability to function like a real human being but the real pain came that was afflicted because you had to label yourself with your own mouth I'm unclean. Don't come any closer. I'm, I, I'm, I'm somebody that you can't even touch. Stay away from me in order to keep your lifestyle where it was. Ten men were standing on the street corner when Jesus entered the, the city of Jerusalem. And as, as, as I have shared with you, they realized their condition. But they'd also heard a rumor that there was one coming to their city that morning that had healed the sick. And there was rumors passing through that city that morning that he would arrive. Nobody knew the time, but he was coming to their city. As Jesus approached the street where they were standing, they recognized that he was an unrecognized gentleman. He had, they had never seen him before. But as he entered into the area within uh, hearing distance, these ten guys saw the man that they'd heard about and they began to cry out because they realized if we could receive a miracle our life could change immediately and uh so they cry out to the lord and and as one of them really probably stood out or among the rest of them he cried out even louder because he was more desperate to receive than probably the rest of the crowd but they said lord if you can would you heal us And Jesus was caught by not only their voice, but the opportunity he had to touch unclean people. And as he made company with them, and as he made contact with them, there was something that transpired. Jesus spoke to that dreaded disease called leprosy, and it left the ten men. And they were so astonished. You can't believe, and I can't even stretch my imagination to believe, how astonished they could have been to no matter how many years they had been infected by this disease, no matter how long it had been since they'd been with their family, all at once, things changed. And Jesus gave them this one challenge. Go show the priest. And they all ten ran and showed the priest. Look, look, you can't believe what happened. Down on the fifth, Fifth, fifth and Georgia Street, 
Jesus passed by and looked. This is the evidence. I've been with Jesus. He healed my body. No longer am I labeled a leper. I'm going, I'm doing exactly what he said to do. He said, go show myself to the priest. Look, look at me. I'm totally clean. And then after they had expressed their thanks to the, to the priest, nine of them went home to break the news to their family. The Bible says out of one, out of ten, one man returned to Jesus. That day as he returned to Jesus, Jesus had some, some, something very unique that he had to say. I, I'm sure, like you, I'm sure that Jesus could have been, felt a little bit of what disappointment's all, uh, all about. And he said to the one that showed up, he said, weren't there ten of you? And I only see nine, uh, I only see one out of the ten that come back to say thank you. And as he expressed his gratitude to the Lord, still the thought came to Jesus like it would come to you and I, where are the nine? As I was thinking about the message today and thinking about gratefulness and how, how easy it is sometimes to take things for granted, people are good, they're all, always good to us, sometimes we can just develop an attitude uh, of this is just life. I really enjoy life. And then there's those that take the opportunity to always say, maybe thank you, or I'm so grateful for you. And, and sometimes, you know, I've just noticed this. Sometimes the last place that we all go, and if you're not guilty of this, please let this be a, 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 an alarm for you. Sometimes the last place we go to be grateful is home. And, so, and you know, maybe you worked at a job all day, and you're just stressed out, and nothing's really went right, and... and uh, I was I was just thinking about how so many times we just take for granted. When we get home, it's just going to be like we left. Things are going to be this way, that way. And, you know, we can sit down. We can just do our normal thing. But uh, I, I was thinking about an example that I, I read. Uh, a, past, uh, a man had gone to church the Sunday before, and, and his pastor was preaching on gratefulness and be grateful. And instead of, of, of complaining, just be grateful. And, uh, and so... Uh, he was getting ready to go to a meeting that night, and he told his wife, he said, I've got, I bought a new pair of trousers, but uh, they need pressing. Would you take the time and, and press those trousers? And while she was pressing, one of the children got her attention, and, and she laid that iron down for a moment, thinking she had laid it in a safe place. And when she came back and picked up the iron, it had put an iron press and marked that trouser forever. The, the reason the man had bought the trousers was because it was the right color, it was the right size. He just knew, boy, he was going to really enjoy those trousers. And as he opened his mouth to, to complain and, and tell his wife what a horrible thing she had done and she had really wrecked his plans for the evening, he remembered what his pastor had said about gratefulness and how to be grateful when no matter what happens to you, you need to be grateful. And that message was still lingering in his spirit. And he, and he looked at the trousers, and his wife was shaking her head, and so was he. And as he looked at that horrible iron print in the leg of that trouser, he looked up at her and says, well, I'm grateful my leg wasn't in that trouser. <laughs> we can all be grateful. <laughs> you know, there's always a good side to everything. The gentleman got on the bus one evening. He was tired. He was going home. The work at the office was done. He was going home. There was only one seat left. And so he sat out in the seat and just kind of relaxed, and, and the bus made the, a couple of blocks and stopped, and there was a lady that got on. And she was looking at the bus over. There was no seat. 
He had been taught by his parents, always give your seat to a lady. Don't ever let a lady stand if you've got a seat. So he stands up, and the lady says, well, thank you. And she sat down, and she fainted. And he's hanging on, looking to see what was wrong, because this lady fainted. And when she, she came back to herself, uh, she said, uh, thank you for giving me your seat. And he fainted, because she had shown gratitude. It's a fainting world today, but just go ahead and show gratitude. It's an awesome thing to be able to give somebody else your seat. I'll never forget, we were on a, a, a tour to New Orleans one year, and a, a good friend of mine that we had met in a singing ministry had the, one of the largest churches in, in, in uh, New Orleans, and uh, he he'd just kind of adopted the four of us boys that were traveling together. He'd showed us New Orleans. He had he'd just went all out. And then he booked us for a Sunday night, and it was during the time when the Holy Spirit was really moving in New Orleans. And there was the night on the Sunday night we were there, there was two rows of nuns dressed in all of their apparel that sat on the front two seats in, in the middle section of his building. It was an awesome time, and, and we just enjoyed uh, going. So uh, uh, a few months later, he had a pastor's conference, and he was bringing in pastors from all over the United States. Uh, some friends of ours at Pastor Elk City uh, met us there, and uh, another couple from the church had gone with us, and, and Mark and Sandra had brought a couple from their church, and we'd all booked into the same hotel so we could park in the same parking garage, and we could all go to church, and we'd all hang together throughout the two days of pastoral school. And I'll never forget uh, it was valet parking. You pulled into this hotel, and uh, they opened the door for you. They uh, had you to pop the trunk, and uh, you left the automobile running. There was people that grabbed your luggage and took it into the area where you would get your uh, key to your room, and then they took your car and parked it. Well, this happened on a Saturday evening, and uh, so before we separated that night, we said, well, now wh what time do we want to leave here? And I said, well, we don't want to be late, and we want to get in the auditorium. They've already told us in the prior services that the overflows will be full. If you want a seat in the auditorium, you better get here early. So I said, let's just allow an hour, and if it only takes us 30 minutes, we'll have some time to spare. The next morning, everybody's down at the lobby, and we've gone to the counter to tell them uh, uh, the room number we were in. They registered our car with the room number on it so they'd know what car to get. We stood, and we stood, and we stood, and we stood. 30 minutes of that hour is gone, and we still haven't saw the two rental cars that we rented. I don't mind telling you, I wasn't hot. I was boiling. We'd traveled to New Orleans. We'd flew to New Orleans. We'd, we'd, it was an expensive trip. We'd booked into this nice hotel so we could make our way around. And, uh, and so I went to the counter, and I said, uh, are you aware that we've been waiting on our rental cars 30 minutes? They said, uh, we've had a problem upstairs. Your car will be here shortly. And uh, sh shortly with me was about 30 seconds. And five minutes later, that car wasn't there. I wasn't hot. I was boiling. I wanted to get into the auditorium. About 15 minutes before the service began, both of our rental cars showed up. And we pulled out of the parking lot, and, I, and I'm not going to elaborate on how we drove to get there. But it wasn't slow. We get to the church, and, uh, and so we, we make it into the lobby, and, and they said, everything is full. You'll have to go to uh, uh, the overflows. 
And so uh, one of the ushers that took us to overflow said, how are y'all doing? Y'all been here before? And we said, yes. And so they took us to an overflow. And uh, so we realized all we were going to see of the service is just the overhead on the wall. And about five minutes, well, when we got there, uh, like I say, it was, it was starting time when we got there, but they had been delayed in starting the service. And just before they started the service, the same usher that took us in the overflow came in the room, and, and he walked right in the over room, over, overflow probably had 50 people in it. And, uh, and he walked right over to where the four of us were seated. Not the couples that had traveled with us, but he said, would you four people follow me? And we stood up, and everybody was looking, wondering what the deal was, and we were wondering too. And when he got us out in the hall, he said, I have four seats on the front row in the auditorium. I just thought maybe you four would like to have them. 1,000, 1,200 people there. Auditorium would seat half again of what this auditorium seats. And they single us out. And the Lord ministered to me. I'll, I'll never forget as long as I live. Uh, an attitude of gratitude goes a whole lot further than being impatient and giving a people a piece of what you're thinking. Now, I've never forgot that lesson. It was a hard lesson for me, uh, but it worked. And in our, in our society today, gratitude is something that's almost, unfor is almost forgotten. But I want you to leave here this morning being grateful for one thing. Jesus saw you, and he died on the cross for your sins. He arose again three days after he had been crucified, and he, for 40 days he had proof he had been the one that died on the cross. He had nail prints. He had the place on his brow where the crown of thorns had sat. His side had been pierced with a sword. He had all the evidence of proving he's the one that, that died between two thieves. And then after 40 days, he ascended into heaven. But I can tell you something. He hasn't forgotten you. And no matter what you're going through this morning, no matter how you may have acted this week, God still wants you to know. He, he allowed me to tell you this morning. He wants to help you with your attitude. He wants you to have an attitude of gratitude. When it seems like you've been handed the short end of the stick, he wants you to be grateful. He wants you to know that he has the last voice. I want to talk to all the husbands this morning. The next time you text your wife, why don't you just do this and see what the results will be. Put three big hearts beside the last sentence that you make and see what the evidence is. Wives, let me challenge you. We're in this together. There's no big eyes and little use. When the next time you send your husband a text, why don't you just allow him to peek into your heart with an attitude of gratitude and put three hearts at your last sentence? especially if you sign off, I love you, honey. It's an hour when God wants us to be grateful. We're in a world that's upside down. We're living in a world that's full of war today. The Democrats can't say anything good about the Republicans, and I, I need to tell you the Republicans aren't saying many things good about the Democrats. And, and you, you, it, it's an all-out war that's we're, that we're seeing in America today. Never did I ever think America would be saying and doing the things that they're doing today. But you know what? In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, and notice this, and with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and lives. 
And there needs to be a guard around our hearts all the time. God wants you to know he's made a way where there seems to be no way. He wants you to know that he has paid the price in full, that you could have life and have it more abundantly. And when challenges come your way, take time to have an attitude of gratitude. Be grateful. Be thankful. Be, enjoy the fact that a challenge doesn't mean that you're a bad person. A challenge doesn't mean that everything's going to hell in a hand basket. It just means God has given you one more opportunity to express yourself, and he really enjoys hearing one of his kids say, I really appreciate what you've done. I really appreciate you for being a friend. I really appreciate you for the things that, that you have helped me with. There's a story of a little boy who wanted his mother to pay him for all the services he had rendered in his home. He left a note to his mother, and this is what he said. For washing dishes, you owe me a dollar. For cleaning my room, you owe me another dollar. And for hanging up my clothes, you owe me another dollar, and I... By the way, I mowed the lawn today. You owe me another dollar. Mom, you owe me. Pay up. He printed a bill for her, totaling to $4, and gave it to her. That evening, after the dishes were done, the mother decided to respond to her son. And the note simply said, For carrying you nine months and being sick as a dog, no charge. For staying up all night with you night after night when you were sick, no charge. For working overtime so that I could get you all those special tennis shoes and, and your, your clothes that you wanted to, so you could fill, fit in with your class, no charge. And for entertaining your friends when you wanted to bring them over without even notifying me that they were coming, no charge. Sign, your mother who loves you, total. Zero. You owe me nothing. After reading the note, that young man realized that he had lost sight of the goodness of his mother. He had turned a loving relationship into a, a business deal, and he had to say to his mother what a lot of God's children have to say to him. Pay up. What's in it for me? Can I say this today? We're not like that. Jesus paid the bill in full so you and I could be free. Jesus wants you to know your bill has been paid for. Your bill has been paid for. There's nothing like going to the register after you've had a meal and get the register. And I hear this not every week, but real often, you're out. That don't mean get out of the restaurant. That means somebody honored you by paying your lunch. And I walk out thinking, you know, I did nothing to deserve that. Can I say this in my prayer time to the Lord? I say, Lord, I did nothing to deserve what you did at Calvary. Isaiah said this, these words, and they're penned very carefully in the book of Isaiah. Almost 700 years, between 700 and 800 years before Jesus came to this earth. He said, there's coming one. He'll be wounded for your transgressions. He'll be bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of, our, of your peace will be because of the stripes he carries on his back. And with those stripes, you can be healed. Not only healed physically, but he wants to reach into our heart this morning. I want you to bow your head today. And I want you to think for a moment with me as we bring the service to a close. Sometimes we get so caught up in the world. Sometimes I, I think about the, about the illustration I read, and I've shared it many times to the, congreg to the congregation. 
I read about this lady who had a, a fish on the back of her car. Her, she had a tag on the front bumper that said, God loves you. A sticker on the back that says, God is my co-pilot. One day in a real hurry, she was rushing. She was late to, to a teacher's conference, and, and she, she was just frustrated with herself, and she was dodging in and out of traffic. She came to a, a traffic light, and a, it changed to green. She started honking her horn and, and shaking her fist and, at the person in front of her, and, and there was this policeman sitting behind her waiting for her to move. And when the, when the person in front of her got the message and they began to move on, the, lady turn, the cop turned the, lady on, the lights on the lady's car and pulled her over. And he said, ma'am, would you step out of the car? And she stepped out and he put handcuffs on her. And she said, I haven't done anything to deserve this. Why are you handcuffing me? She said, he said, I'm taking you to, to jail. I'm taking you to city hall. She said, what for? She said, I saw the fish on the back of your car. I saw the decal on your bumper that said, Jesus loves you. And he said, I was watching your action, and I know this has to be a stolen car. This car doesn't belong to the people that puts a bumper sticker on your car. After an hour, she explained, and she was released. I don't know about you. There are times in my life when I have been very impatient. There are times in my life that things just didn't seem to wrap up the way that I wanted them to but I've got good news for you. When Jesus came into our life, not only did he become our heavenly father, but when we ask him to forgive us as far as the east is from the west, not only did he lift the load of sin out of my life, but he took it to the deepest sea called the sea of forgetfulness. The sea of forgetfulness has no bottom. It's just a deep, deep ocean. And he buried my dirty linens never to remind me of them again he's the best friend that I've ever had but you know what we can get so caught up in life we can get so caught up in responsibilities we can get so caught up even as pastors in in the world in the circle we live in that sometimes when we get on we're exhausted and the last time the last thing we're even thinking about just just being grateful but I just want to challenge you this morning I want you to let the Holy Spirit minister to you for a few moments. I want you to ask yourself, am I a grateful person? Is gratitude a part of my lifestyle today? And if he's not, I want you to write in the quietness of your life and, your, and the moment today that we're asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us, I just want you to say this. If you're, you're really struggling with being grateful for what, what life has for you, I want you to take a moment right where you're sitting with your head bowed, and I want you to ask your Heavenly Father, Lord, would you allow me to become a grateful person? Would you help me with my attitude this morning so that I could have an attitude of gratitude, so that I could slow down long enough to appreciate the things of life? Lord, so I could go home and tell my wife how much I appreciate her and I thank her that she took me for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, as long as we would live. Lord, I thank you for health and strength. I thank you. I'd rather be at Elm Grove this morning than to be in the best hospital that there is. And I want to thank you, Lord, because my children are well. You've gave me so many opportunities. Lord, today, 
I, I just want to say thank you today for all the good things you've done for us. It was your head bowed, and I know you can sing with your heads bowed. I want us to sing this chorus just for a moment as we allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us today. It goes like this. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me God is so good God is so good God is so good He's so good to me I love Him so I love him so, I love him so, he's so good to me. Will God answers prayer, God answers prayer, God answers prayer, he's so good to me would you stand this is very simple very simple words this morning but I'm, I want you to know God has given us all an opportunity today when we leave here we're going to ask we've already asked the Lord help me with my attitude because an attitude of gratitude will always minister to others would you join me as we sing well God is so good God is so good God is so good He's so good to me One more time I want you to turn up the volume I can't hear you I can just hear this piano but I want you to know He is good He's given us another opportunity He wants me to tell you He loves you unconditionally and I want you to tell him this. This will be our benediction today. I'm going to say a word of prayer, but this is our benediction. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning today for this opportunity you've allowed us to worship together. We thank you for the leadership of our praise and worship team this morning. We thank you for our Sunday school staff that made an effort to be prepared to teach the word this morning. And I thank you for this awesome opportunity today that you've given me to speak into the hearts and lives of your people. As we leave here this morning, as a shepherd, I want to have an attitude of gratitude like I've never had before. I want you, Lord, today to do things in my life, and I want to position myself so that you can help me with my attitude. Gratitude is something, Lord, that's contagious, and as we allow the contagious of Christianity to flow through us, others today will want what we've got. And I want to thank you today, and we give all the praise to you for the great things you've done for us and the things you have in store. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>